0: Previously on the Buzzcast, I came here to nature's <laughs> image. That was <laughs> suspenseful. Wow! Last time we came, so it's been it's been a few months. So uh, the warlock had just m- newly moved here, and if you guys don't know who the garlic, the garden gnome warlock is. I think he's now the garden gnome. I bought him a hat. We got to get something like I. I need to put something so it doesn't stand up straight. Hmm. So it needs to stand up straight But he likes the hat Um, He doesn't wear it But he appreciates it
1: I'm not sure what's more creepy The fact that you bought him the hat Or he likes the hat
0: I think it's just It's just running jokes It's like It's because it's constant trolling And he learns that You just gotta go with it Every time Hi Luke Hey Luke Luke, Special guest Luke Burns Back porch cast Back porch cast He uh, he was a special guest In the uh, Hogtoberfest podcast too Okay, so the last time I was here, um we went through all your hives and we did a lot of walkaway splits, and we did a graph split too. so we did we did a few different kinds of splits, and you were going from we had the notes on the on the on the nuke boxes, and we were trying to propagate it so that the last time where we were was we had we, you and I were together and we tried to propagate a hive. So I could have a hive for the Hiawatha Street. So mm-hmm, we were going to have right. the Hiawatha Street hive. Um, and that was a walk away. And we did it. And we went from the nuke box to the eight frames. Right. And everything was looking good the first week. So everything was looking good the first week. You hadn't checked on them. Um, and... And let me see what else we did. Yeah, so we'd split a few, but we the biggest thing we did was we were trying to get me a hive and all your kids a hive. Right. And we were looking at, we saw production. Um, We could tell, I mean, you definitely had some strong hives. They were definitely still, the bees are still very docile in all your hives. Um, They weren't really that. Ben had gotten stung for the first time, and he kept blowing smoke on them, and they didn't really react. Um. And i'm and I'm bringing that up because that was my last experience and and quite a bit has changed since just even based on you know what what we had already talked about today so um what happened with the bigger boxes with all of those splits?
1: Well, we found out that going from we initially were everything was in five frame nukes all all of our foundation stock, and we tried to uh when we make splits make those into eight frame boxes and uh <clears throat> While we were at the prime time of the season to do that, um, everything started to um, not kind of go as we thought that it that it might. So, uh, right from the get go, we had a, like like that first week that we're talking about. Um, but I guess it's been several months back. Um, they the split seemed to be going well, and there seemed to be from you know, when you're sitting in a chair looking at the front entrance, it seemed to be going pretty good. And then I noticed that, you know, the well, bees... Go ahead. There's
0: something else that happened, too. Yeah, their cold spell.
1: Yeah. So we had, uh, like, literally right after the last time you guys were here and uh, we were making all the splits, we were going through, like, these weird snaps where it would be, like, three and four nights in a row where it's getting down into the 40s.
0: And this is also when all the hurricanes were just starting, and it was it, right. it was a really because I um, on the farm, uh, I had done heat-tolerant lettuces for the month of August, and my lettuce was still going fine, and I had some heat tolerant planted, but I wanted some for Joel. So when mine were done, I could harvest, and we didn't end up needing the heat harvest be- the heat tolerant lettuces because August it was, was cool so enough. abnormally cold yeah. here this year, and it was a lot to do with uh, the hurricanes. So, so it might
1: be great if you're growing veg, but if you're growing bees, bees, it's worst case scenario because the bees need about you know somewhere between ninety and hundred degrees inside of that hive. Um, so they can keep doing what they do and in this case what we were doing is making walkaway splits we were leaving we were we're doing several things one of them was walkaway split so we would leave the queen um, and some of the uh, worker bees in the parent hive and then we would take uh, frames of brood comb that had uh, different levels of brood in it um, young uncapped larvae we would take those along with some pollen and some honey uh, put those into an eight frame box um, and then while they were surviving and doing, seemed like they were doing well. Um, we then we kept getting those cold snaps, and so we'd get three and four nights in a row of being down in the down in the 40s. Now you know we're talking about going from, you know, three frames of bees from a five frame nuke to an eight frame nuke. There's a yeah. lot more real estate for them to keep warm, and to keep the moisture down. And on those, what happened is it got too cold, um, and it got too wet, and the, br- the brew the brood just chilled. They they got too cold. And they kind of almost rot on the inside, not like European fowl brood or American fowl brood, but it's similar in the fact that the the brood just kind of goes rank because there's no one there to keep them warm, no one to keep feeding. Them. So it just yeah, literally is is larvae that is um, decomposing. So we've seen that happening, and then we so that was a walkaway split. We did some um, queen cutouts, so we were cutting out some queen cells from um, some other hives and then insert, inserting those between two frames uh, to make some splits. We were also cutting, um, strips of foundation from the bottom of, uh, some naturally drawn out comb that had uh, larvae in it. And we would, we would set those in between, um, frames and all of them seemed to seem to do well. They were drawing out Queens and, um, and doing all that. But we learned a whole lot real quick. Um, at least here in our context, that if you're making splits from five frame nukes, it's, you know, for us, um, it serves the point way better if we just make those splits into five-frame nukes. And so all the splits that we've made into five-frame nukes have all taken and have all done well. And if we would have, you know, you can't be too hard on yourself because you're learning on the go. At least this year, we were able to learn and adapt and then, um, you know, kind of change our plan and still have success, which is kind of nice. But if we would have just went down the, I learned this method from this person, I'm gonna to stick to it because this is my comfort zone. Just being a carbon copy bee yard, you know, we would be looking at just five colonies.
0: Definitely, and and something else, and and we'll get into because I want to ask you how the edge training helped, and I think just how observing and interacting then, or going from what you, acting on what you're observing, like react. I guess, reacting and planning based on what you're observing. But first, I mean, there was something else that was interesting too, which you were alluding to before I brought up the cold snaps was when the hives started to die, what did you notice that was going on with the, the, the larger boxes? Um, you said you had some robbers.
1: Yeah. So on the front of the hives, we were, you know, at first, you know, you get a cup of coffee, go down in the morning as the bees are waking up, you kind of can see them coming out and you can see bees coming in and, then you notice there's way more bees coming in than there's going out, and these bees are kind of behaving a little bit different. They look a little bit different, and uh, you get close to them, you realize, hey, these aren't my bees at all. These are way bigger bees, um, and they're thinking, oh crap, they're definitely getting you know robbed out. And then once the hive, you know, depending on, on when you notice that, like if it's if it's a you know um, a hive that wants to put up a fight, I mean, you'll see them out front. You'll see the 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 the, the bees from your colony, you know, rumbling and tumbling and fighting, fighting out a little bit, you'll see some dead bees. Um, but when I had seen it, they were already weakened to the point to where um, these feral bees were just coming in with with no resistance. And then so what happens is they, they they'll fight outside on the front entrance until they reduce the numbers to the point where they can come right in, kill the queen, and then just wipe the whole hive out and just clean all the honey out and then, you know, take off. And that's what had happened on on several hives. So the cold and the wet got them. The cold and the wet weakened them, and then when they were cold and wet, a lot of the feral bees came in and started to rob them out. Um, and so that was, you know... Didn't
0: you catch a swarm in one, after one of we them? We
1: did. So on on one of the splits, it was the... I think it was the Hiawatha hive.
0: I think it was, too, because I asked you about it. It was the said, Hiawatha hive. Yeah, we, I thought it was this, doing well, but it then w- it. was, it.
1: yeah. <clears throat> it was doing... You know, it, they hang on for about a week, you know, and when you make a split like that, you know, you're putting a frame um, of brood in a new box, and there's still very young larvae that are they're going to hatch for the next you know ten to twelve days. And so over that ten day period, they're still the population is still growing. They just don't have a they don't have their queen inside of there yet. And um, it got cold, and then just you know within a matter of two days that they were just uh, f- you know almost flat out gone. They just couldn't keep up with with the keep that temperature up. So a lot of bees were dying. Well, at about that same time, you know, as the bees are about disappearing and it's looking like it's it's a no go case, I checked back three days later, and then all of a sudden there was a almost a complete hive full of bees. I'm thinking that's weird. That's how I'm trying to think. How else is is even possible? You know, when you when you bring a certain you know whether it's uh, livestock or it's a plant um, or even a piece of equipment on the farm, you have a certain expectation on how it's going to perform, what it's going to look like. You know what you know. You kind of have some idea. With these small cell bees, it's no different. We were expecting, you know, not to see varroa mites, not to see hive beetles, um, or very little hive, hive beetles. And then all of a sudden, here is this big box of bees. And the first thing I noticed on that split was that these bees are huge, for one. And number two, the majority of them have deformed wing virus. Um, and number three, they're just really antsy, like they're just they're acting like they don't belong here. So I'm thinking, well, I don't know anything about it. I think I, I might even post some pictures on Facebook and, and Instagram. There was this beautiful jet black queen that is just not of any genetics that I have. Now so I wasn't quite sure how she got there. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm I'm still a beginning beekeeper I and mean, I'm gonna you know, just observe and interact and, you know, kind of get that feedback and see, you know, see what we learn here. Well, what happened is is that hot, that queen, um, she wasn't laying in the worker cells. She was only laying in the drone cells. Hmm. And then I started thinking, why in the world is she doing that? And then about three days later, there was some really spotty brood that that she laid um, into the drone cells. And then just like as fast as they got here, they all disappeared. And then it hit me. That was a swarm. They, had, they actually had moved in. And um, she was trying to, because she's a larger cell bee. She couldn't fit her abdomen in the small cell, uh, the small cells. The only place she could fit was the drone size, and that was even a squeeze. And so, in doing that, it wasn't a, a place that she could lay. And then, as soon as they got there, they um, they took off. And um, interestingly enough, today we had our first bee inspection. Yeah. And so, you know, with the state of Ohio, you have to um, register. Uh, you know, two ways: you don't consent to having an inspection, or you do consent. And that's a whole other podcast about. Um, Probably well, government and stepping over and things well, like you that. you and
0: I were both on the, the, the side of not consenting. Like, you and I, we went to that B class. you are like,
1: uh, ah, yeah.
0: I don't know. And then we talked to Shane, and we talked to Michael, and they're yeah. both like, it's, it's one of us that would be inspecting you. It's not the normal standard procedure. Right. And that was kind of, so what was your experience?
1: Yeah, so the guy, you know, pulls up and...
0: Oh, <laughs> well, Sam thinks he's live here Live action. Again what's yeah.
1: out there sam shadow people chupacabra no
0: no nope. all right no he, he chased it off
1: <laughs> so he, you know he pulls up and you know most folks who have spent any kind of time with me and though I'm, I'm pretty laid back and i'll i'll cut up and um if someone has a different a difference in opinion or how a different way of doing anything i mean we'll find some way to work together yeah and so he, you know guy pulls up and he gets out and he's um you know we're, we're, we're cutting up a little bit making jokes and Um, he seems like really laid back and he's an old timer and, um, we, he gets everything starting to get everything ready. And, um, you know, my, you know, you're, when you have an inspector over and you're a a beginning beekeeper and you kind of are, you know, protecting your, your bee yard, like you don't want, you know, foreign contaminants coming in. You don't want any kind of disease that could be spread. You know, you don't want someone just to come in here and start, you know, throwing your boxes around and not being careful over the, the Queens and. So you don't really know what to expect, and um, I texted Sean Brown because he had he said he he just got his inspection and and uh, had 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 a uh, a good inspection report, and so I I texted him um, last night and said, hey, was your inspector this guy? Because he had just got a voicemail from when he wants to stop by this weekend while he's in the area, and on my form, what I did is put that um, I I do consent to inspection. But I um, I have to be notified and we have to schedule a time to where I can come in and unlock the the because it's sits secured here. And um so I text Sean and say, Hey, this same guy, you know, how is he? And you know, Sean's like, Yeah I know, super cool guy. You know, they really really laid back, you know. And so Sean gave me a little bit of a heads up on kind of what to expect because I had you know had never had an inspection before. And so like I said, so he gets here and he gets out and we're talking a little bit, he gets suited up and you know, we start to walk and I've got my hive tool in my back pocket to go hand to him you know, because I, you know, I was going to ask him, would you mind just using my hive tool to, you know, just in case. As I'm doing that, he's already pulling out a hive tool with the stainless steel. We just disinfected it, bleached it, you know, as he got, as he's getting out of the vehicle and, um, he's got his smoker lit and, and I said, well, I'm just going to warn you that my bees don't like smoke. And so if you smoke, one of us is going to get stung. So, oh, uh, yeah, I don't probably need to use any smoke at all. Maybe just a little bit if they're getting on, getting in the way on top. And I said, all right. And so, but we go down there and Start opening up boxes, and I as soon as he he puts a little smoke in the air, and I crack open one of the box, you know, one bee flute flies right out and stings me right in the center of my palm. And after I backed off, and the smoke backed off, they were all fine for the rest of the for the rest of the visit. Um, so
0: when did they get more aggressive? Because when we had them before, they weren't as aggressive. But I know when when Michael Jordan was here, we were looking, and that one of your main hives that you've had for yeah. a while, you you were like, uh, I, it wasn't just you. I think uh, even I think it was either Jake or Nate said, "Watch out for that hive. That one's extra aggressive."
1: Yeah, not, oh, no, no, it's your dad. Your yeah, dad they're not. That. They're they're not. I mean, they're. I um, think a, it's just because
0: they're getting ready for winter.
1: Well, they're not. Compared last year, I, I had some Russians here, and before you walk down, them things are are blasting in your face and they're falling you away. That's what I consider aggressive. Yeah, these are the most aggressive in my yard, um, and those are probably uh, they're You you wouldn't consider a beekeeper wouldn't like this inspector, what doesn't consider any of those to be aggressive. Um, but it's just that what I noticed is early on the like, I'm not using a suit. I'm not using a gloves. I'm in flip-flops most of the time. I'm taking my time, putting out good vibes, whatever, you know, and the, and the bees are, are, are fine. There was, I had one hive that for whatever reason I decided I needed to start smoking the entrance, um, in one of their vent holes every time just to keep them, keep them calm. And when I started doing that, Practice for no other reason than thinking maybe I should. Then the bees started to react to that smoke and get really upset. Hmm. And so there was there was two hives that I've got marked on the lid, smoke, get stung. And so when I don't smoke them, it's no problem. If I smoke them, they get upset. And so one of the ones, um, uh, they're on complete opposite ends of the bee yard. One's in one row at the at the far end, the other is the the lower row on the opposite end. So they're you know they're they're a good ways um, from each other. But, um, but anyways, yeah, they, they smelled the smoke and they reacted and I got stung. We put the smoke away and, and, uh, it, everything, you know, seemed to be fine. But, uh, the reason we brought that up, we were talking about that swarm cell that came into, um, that box <clears throat> and, um, uh, this, uh, uh, Mike, Mike, uh, Devon, the inspector here was, um, you know, just, you know, tr- trying to be educational while we're, you know, trying to timely get through. Um, The hives, and so he was talking, and we were talking about swarms. uh, We're talking about how I do my splits and why I do them, and um, he was take. He asked me if I ever heard of a. It's called a. Usur, usur, um. Oh shoot, usur, usur swarm cell or something. Well, there's this there's this name for this type of a swarm cell, and it's this weird kind of a. Um, uh, this weird, weird kind of thing that happens. And, um, then right after I told him about what happened with that swarm. cell, and so I guess that's, that, that, that happens is you'll have a, you'll have a swarm will move in right at the point to where a split or a hive is weak and they'll just, they'll just wipe it out, move in. And then they'll, um, either just, you know, stay or or they'll just take off. But, you know, it was, it was kind of fun relaying our experience um, with the inspector, because one one thing that he mentioned is, and you guys are definitely uh, this is this is very uncommon to see bees being done like this, um, and so that was uh, to me was pretty cool because we kind of have some uncommon results because um, after after the inspection, we uh, he the inspector found zero varroa mites, um, which is a pretty huge thing. That's that's the reason why we've gone t- to these bees raised this way, doing the things that we are. Um, is is to have either less or no varroa mite problem. That's what's going to get you know our bees in a bad way going into this time of year, and then also in the spring. And so, and
0: they yeah. only found two hive beetles out of how many hives?
1: Yeah, thir- out of thirteen hives. Here he found two hive beetles, and it's in uh, a weaker a weaker hive. And so he didn't even give he didn't even recommend or or, or treating or doing anything. He just said eh, just keep an eye on them. Everything looks really good.
0: That's great. Now, how did um. Mike, so you know you've you've produced i think you've produced fifteen hives this year we're at
1: thirteen now,
0: but you had two other hives too right um and uh so you're at thirteen now, i think you've you've successfully produced a total of fifteen this year though right um now how what kind of because last year I remember it was more of a i'm gonna just do as little as possible approach, and we we discussed that in the first time it was your first year. This year in the off season, you go to Michael Jordan, you do the edge training, and then you come here and it's like a super organized, you have notes, um, you're doing nine eleven and every nine to eleven days checking on the hives. Yep. How much like how much did that uh edge training of Michaels really kind of affect the way that you, you kept your bees this year?
1: I think what Michael's doing and um his method is is one of the, um, one of the pillars that's holding up that I think the success of our of our bee yard. You know, last year, you know, we didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, and so when you don't know what to do, you're afraid to do anything, thinking that you're going to fail. And then you've picked up enough knowledge along the way to think that you need to, you know, when you have, if you see mites, then you need to dust them in powdered sugar or do all these things, but you don't understand the full context. You don't understand you know, why you're doing those things, then you end up setting yourself up for failure. And that's what happened with us last year, is our bees last year were completely decimated with varroa mite and hive beetles, and I didn't really even know what I was looking for. And then once I found them or or put enough time into checking up on them, it was already too late. Um, Of course, they were large-cell bees. They were in 10-frame langstrith hives, deeps. I mean, the list goes on and on of what is seeming, it's it's like the complete opposite of what works here is what we had last year. But um, I think it's, you know, a lot of folks are looking for, like, the answer or a carbon copy or a, um, something that they can just replicate at their place and to be successful, and I don't think you're going to find any shortcuts to that. However, one of the, the greatest teachers, in my opinion, is Michael Jordan um, for the simple fact that he has a, a respect and a reverence for the bees and for nature, and his approach, um, is clear and it's concise and it's not complicated. He's not teaching you how to do all these things or how to keep the bees a certain way. He's teaching you the why.
0: Yeah. And something he said, even, you know, we had the, uh, we had the, he came here and put on a, a mini B course for the Ohio GSD crew that came to hogtoberfest and something that he said, And he said it a few times. I think it really kind of resonated this time was, you know, there's a couple of things. I mean, something he always says is, look, they're your bees. You're the ones that's going to be doing this. How do you like to do splits? He's like, Greg likes to do walkaways. Like that was kind of what he said. Like Greg, I think Greg's getting most comfortable with the walkaway splits, that method. Um, You know, he said, ultimately, you know, they're your bees though. So you have to figure out what works for you. And you need to start writing your own manual Mm -hmm. because they're your bees. Um but something else he said, too, which which kind of hit on, I think, you know, both of us like, you know, we, we kind of were looking from beekeeping. Um, from the more hippie approach, like, you know, how do we do treatment free beekeeping? Mm. And that was something that mm. he kind of pointed out to us. And he, and he said it a bunch is, look, if you are keeping bees, you've already altered their course. Like you're not a tree. If bees are in a tree, their hive's going to be a lot different. Right. This is the way the hive's going to be as soon as they fly in. There's, there's, it, it's just a totally different setup than when men are managing it. So if you have bees in a hive, I mean, ultimately you're already interfering with the way that they would normally live. So you have to do treatments or be prepared to do
1: preventative treatments or, or, or you don't and you are okay, you know, yeah. Or you, or you're just, you're okay with, with the results. If, yeah. if your goal is to, not do anything for the bees, put them in a box, hope they make it through the winter, and then if they do, then that's a success for you. Well, then that works in your context. You can't hey. you can't really argue with that. But what where this gets tricky, and I think we talked about that uh when we had that round table with here Dan. with Let's uh one of the earlier buzzcasts, you know, technically speaking, anything that you do uh to to help prevent any kind of disease or hunger um inside the hive is considered treatment. So, you know, you could you could argue that checkerboarding frames and flipping boxes and on and on is a treatment. Yeah. And so automatically if you go into this saying I want to be a treatment-free bee- beekeeper and I think that's where I was trying to head initially and and then you fully learn, you know, the folks that wear that badge what that means to them um you start to realize that, that might be okay for like 1 to 10 hives. Um, and what, what, what most of these folks are doing is they are only catching swarms and they're catching a swarm, they're putting it in a box and they're not, um, doing any kind of either plant-based, not doing plant-based, um, or, or, or synthetic, uh, treatments. And they are letting the bees figure it out. And, you know, you can have up to like 70% loss for the first five years. And then slowly, if you don't kill the queen's, the idea is that you develop genetics that are resistant to mites. And I mean, that's, I, I see the the merit and I see, and I, I respect that, that just doesn't coincide with the goals that I have for my B yard right now.
0: Yeah. I, I just think that I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I, it just seems like every, everyone I've talked to that kind of has those goals or, uh it's gone i haven't i haven't talked to anybody really been successful with that method that's what i should say now i haven't talked to a ton of people um i haven't really sought out a ton of people but it it seems like if you're gonna keep bees and uh you don't want it to be a big so you don't want i mean because i mean so let's say every year you have to catch a swarm like that's an event that's something you have to plan on unplanned event yeah and it's an unplanned event and it's something that could totally spin out a day of production so I think you know, being proactive and listening to Michael talk about it, and listening to Michael break things down in the training, or just conversations he had with other beekeepers, and and then even you know just what Michael's observed from studying wasps and yellow jackets and hornets, and you know they've been you know those insects have been here forever. Like we didn't introduce those insects here, to my knowledge, like they were here. Yeah,
1: those are yeah native.
0: Yeah. So those are natives. That's a native species here. And then even what he was saying, like watching the way that they, you know, either build nests out of rhubarb leaves or stuff like that. And and I think, you know, if, if you're in my opinion, if you're keeping bees, you're going to save yourself a lot of money and a lot of time if you're proactive and you and you are doing things that to naturally prevent them and keep them healthy.
1: And that's where that's where the that's where we start to split hairs is I you know, started off into the first part of the year thinking I wanted to be treatment-free until I realized that anything you do, even plant-based, to help um, the health of the hive is considered a treatment. Well, then I'm automatically like, okay, well, you can you can count me out. if This year, to be very clear, we have not used osalic. We have not used formic. We have not used citric acid. We have to use zero acids at all. The only thing that we've used in our hives to prevent uh, varroa mite and hive beetle are essential oils that we mix into the, into the sugar syrup.
0: It's into the feed just to propagate it It's into the bees. feed,
1: and a feed's considered a treatment. Yeah. You know, and so that's where, you know, if you have if you have judgy folks who don't understand your context and they come visit your bee yard and they see 13 hives with quart jars of sugar water on top, they're thinking, oh, my God, this guy's a piece of work. And he's not raising natural bees. He's feeding them all. It, but they didn't realize that I started off with five hives this year. I turned five into 13. And the only reason that happened is because I fed them sugar water. And the sh you know, and so they can build comb. They can build numbers, and then they can then, then we can decide. Once you build the comb, what are we going to do? Are we going to build honey? or Are we going to build bees? Yeah. And that's why you have, like it's super important that you understand why you have bees. Because if you don't understand why you have bees in this situation, you have bees that make comb. They fill it full of bees, and then they fill some with honey. And then there's so much honey and not enough room for brood. They can't. They're they're almost stuck. They're they're locked up, and they get honey bound. And then they don't like that. And then they wanna abscond and take off on you. If you're not clear as to why you're having the bees and you don't have that understanding, you can't adapt. So, you yeah. know, and that, that's a huge that's a that's that's the only reason that we were able to get our our yard to where it is this year is because from from, from the very beginning our goal was to make bees increase our numbers going into this winter. And then we can talk about honey next year.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, you know, something else, too, that you said, they get honeybound, and it goes back to when you put bees in a man-made box, you need to do man-made management from my, I yeah. mean, just, mm-hmm. because, I mean, like, look, if you don't, then they no longer want to have that relationship with you, and they're going to leave.
1: They can leave whenever the situation's, you know, yeah. not right for them. So
0: if, you, if, you're not, if you're not doing things to court your bees and make them feel welcome in the homes that you provide for them, they take off and i think and i, and I think that's the way to look at it i mean you know the way michael talks about it, it's so funny he's like yeah welfare's off when there's forage time they need to get out there and work yep. like i'm not feeding them welfare's done welfare comes back on when there's no nothing there um you know something else too that was interesting was you kind of hit because the climate here was different you hit a little darth face too here that i didn't hit in the city um that and that was interesting too and that was something that um i felt like you you just noticed this year maybe you knew it before but is this the in between time of like goldenrod and
1: right. other flowers yeah that that uh that august august um, time period between um when the when the that june july the, and all the blackberries are starting to to die down and and those those flowers are going away you know when all you have left is some is some clover in the fields and starts to get your, your nectar starts to become a little bit more scarce, you know, out here, you know, although you're only, you know, 40 miles or so from my place to yours, you know, once you get out of these hills and you get towards Columbus and you get to the asphalt jungle, you know, you're literally an entire zone warmer. Um, Every single year, like, um, you know, out here, one thing that the um, old timers say is there's, you know, three snows after, after the Forsythia blooms. The forsythia blooms like two weeks earlier in Columbus than it does here in Zanesville. And so there's like all these little nuances that you can't just go by, um, you know, a schedule for Ohio and say, this is when these things happen. You have to just, you have to look at nature and that's the, you know, one of the tricky parts is, you know, to make baby bees, you need, you need pollen. Mm-hmm. They need to make bee bread. And, um. Out. so when you had some ornamentals and some weeds that were still flowering like we had some of those weeds here
0: we had it, yeah and I, th- I think too with the city too is like um we have the man made the man introduced weeds like morning glories like morning glories are all over right and uh, and that's the nice thing about morning glories are beautiful flowers and they're they're in the same family as bindweed and then bindweed is just a natural weed right or, uh, that's in that area and it was and you were saying man we have a darth i'm like man we have a bunch of flowers around here like i could see a bunch of flowering weeds still
1: yeah so they go through like a different times of the year like although those weeds might be there and they might be flowering like those might be enough to sustain some of the life in the hive they can kind of they can they you'll they'll kind of behave differently like in early spring when they have a full flush of wild like different wildflowers and such or or tree pollen and then um you know where it's interesting is uh you might have had more like you know city weed flowers and stuff um and the time that we were going out but what kicks off the end of the season which you guys don't have in columbus is goldenrod the goldenrod comes on the daisies come on um and that's what catapults the next change in season for the bees and um you know it's been it's been a nice uh an end of the year run so far um with goldenrod and um you know when you when you're working the hives it has a sweet gem sake kind of a um, strong smell to it, and actually, uh Dan Bochris over at Red Dog Ranch um, harvested some of his first goldenrod honey and and brought that to us as a gift for Oktoberfest. That was pretty good, super good. Smells smells terrible. I mean, even the honey smells off. And but you taste nice it, good. and it's so good, it's yeah, so rich.
0: That's something also is was interesting. Was it like Michael said? People mistake it; they think they have foul brood at yeah, first. Yeah, it's really strong and else. runs. Yeah, and um, so that's that's pretty interesting. So I. Th- I'm trying to think what else I guess we should probably also discuss why I didn't keep bees at all. And um and we'd kind of mentioned this, you know, I had a lot of transitions going on and uh we had it got to the point to where we could get a hive there on my property for about a month, but it just the time risk reward and risk versus reward didn't make sense. You were willing to do it and I I kind of felt hesitant and thankfully the the garden gnome said, "No, that's that's a bad idea. We got a lot of work still to get done and a month I don't a month would just be trying to force something." And I was like, "Yeah, you you're absolutely right." And I think you and I talked about it and you said, "You know what? I I'm, I'm happy too because I I didn't plan on taking any bees off site this year." So Right. And it and it's something that I think um you know, I it, it's definitely something I want to do. But I think it was it was healthy for me to come out here that one day. And, you know, I think it took us a good hour. I think it took over an hour.
1: It's probably about an hour. We took our time to go through. Yeah, because you were showing me everything. Teach, teach what was going on rather than just, you know, getting through them for maintenance, you know.
0: Yeah, and we were splitting everything. And I was like, and I mentioned it the last time, like, yeah, this this is a lot of work. Like, this is something that um, I, I couldn't have... It, it, If I'm if I'm pretty much leasing your bees or hosting your bees, it's nothing I'd want to half-ass. And it and it's like for a month it was just kind of like so we would get three visits and then you have to move the bees again. Yeah. What kind of trauma is that going to put on the bees? What it you know? So we just decided that next year if if Greg has enough hives, we'll we'll do that next year. Um, and then I actually have the yard enough cleaned up so we actually have a good place to put it. So that's yeah. So we'll, so, yeah. So that was it was good. Um, I'm just trying to think what else. So so not only did you have an inspector, but last week, you had Michael Jordan here. So what did you? How did? You, uh, was there anything Michael shared with you while he was here? Any insights he shared when he was looking at your bee yard?
1: No, oh, Michael always is one to share, and he's like I said, has a super special way of you know getting in tune with nature, looking at looking at a system. And you know knows how to put all those together, um, and kind of make that make sense. But um, it was kind of neat because we were experimenting with a whole bunch of different stuff that you know is kind of outside of. You, you can only learn so much from YouTube videos or a textbook or anything else. And sometimes you just have to learn to kind of go with your gut and see see what's what's working and what's not. We did a couple of things out here with some um, with some dial uh, entrance dials and some vents and stacking boxes a little bit different. And, um, know it was neat to kind of see how the bees will close up vent holes, open them back up when they need it. And it was neat to have Michael out here to see all that stuff firsthand too, because you know how we do, um, he, he does a lot of his stuff. He's also, um, I think on board with five frames and eight frames and going to mediums and
0: Going to smaller bees. he's yeah, And slowly. also
1: going to smaller, he's also going to smaller bees and has some small, smaller cell bees and he's, you know, getting some great results. Um, you know, I don't think he has mite or, or, um, or beetle problems. Um, and he's on the preventative side where he's using uh, rhubarb and things like that in the smoker and, and making teas. And so he's, he's, um, you know, that's where they, have, like these silly, stupid names, like they don't even matter. Like. You, you can't put a name on what michael does because that's the way that he does it yeah how we do things here is just, it's like you know it's a it's a conglomerate of all kinds of different things too for whatever works and so it's if you start you know drawing a line in the sand and saying i'm only going to do uh the the Ruder steiner biodynamic beekeeping type or i'm only going to do this bee you're going to get you're going to find yourself in trouble because yeah y- you have to understand the context and what was cool was you know when mike uh when michael came out here and we had the the your bee course here for the GSD crew. You know, there's a bee yard here. He can go out. He can walk in. He can, we can go look. He can see. He can see what our context is, Absolutely. like what we're working with here. We can go and look at all of our nectar, all of our pollen, all of our weeds. Our, and you know, and then, then and then we can teach a course.
0: And something else too is like we could we could teach him about plants that he has that he could potentially try to grow at his climate at home too. Because I was showing him. Wood sorrel, he'd never seen wood sorrel, and they were just like, "Oh, what's this flowering plant?" Like Michael was very interested, um, just because Michael really wants to try to get stuff, more stuff to grow in Wyoming, and we have similar climates. Hopefully, Um, so I I thought that was cool. I mean, you know, he's a student and a a teacher all at the same time, Um, and 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 put
1: on a heck of a heck of a wintering your bee course here. He did for everyone, and that was you know super important because you know you know Michael doesn't say you need to come wrap your hives or you need to do this or you needed to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. He says, here's the things that you can do for these reasons. And then, you know, it's up. It's up to you to figure out if that's going to work for you.
0: We got Luke Burns here. Luke's fresh, back out in fresh the back from porch. The bath. How's your bath, Luke? How's your bath? No, okay. no. Hi. <laughs> he almost did. Yep,
1: But it was cool, man, to have to have, um, you know, all the, the Freemans out and uh, the Jordans out. You want to say hi again? Hi. Oh, there you go. There All we right. go. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> Thanks, All right. Luke. Uh, um, yeah. was, it, because you you got to you got to pull you got to put everyone's different approaches, everyone's different um, you know, mental things going on.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'll hit pause here. So we had Danielle here, we had a lot of people here, and, and something else that was cool about the course is you know, Jim Collins, he came and Jim likes to do his little hipster beehives that are still pretty cool. I just
1: figure I would shout out <laughs> Richem and call well, him hipster. He's got some cool log hives and like yeah. War a He's got some cool things going on. At and, his place. and he
0: does top bar beekeeping. And so and the, the cool thing was is Michael went over because most of us do Langstroth, and I think and, and this is something else we can get into too, or modified Langstroth, which is kind of what you're doing now because they're nuke boxes. Um, I I don't know if that's why it's called modified Langstroth. You can I have no idea. That's what he said. The modified length and he he said what you were doing was modified length
1: Maybe because I don't use screen bottoms or inner covers, mm. and yeah, and it's the just dials. a medium box and a solid landing or solid bottom. That is board. why.
0: Yeah, it was the medium boxes instead of no no big boxes. So, um, so yeah, so it was interesting, and he even said, you know, how you could do, um, how you, what you could do to heat to to keep it warm in the in the top bar where you put a sensor he he said some cost-effective ways that you could do it he gave a lot of different options and then he you know gave people an opportunity to buy everything on a jump drive and and something else that he that he always points out and it goes back to what you were saying is people want to stick to their dogma of how they're keeping their bees and something very important that michael always says is you know you have to do the Greg Burns method or you have to do the Drew Sample method. Like you are writing a manual or you're writing a book for how you keep bees. And that's the most important thing. I mean, you have to figure out what works for you and write it down. I mean, one thing he, he can't stress enough is, is record keeping. He's always stressing record keeping, you know, what's the temperature outside? What's this, what's that? And, and I think in, and, and that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal. And, And one thing that you, you said too, you, you had found a really good app for record keeping um, but you, you notice that when you get into more hives, it, it doesn't. It's after not,
1: five hives. It's just it was too too many hives to keep up. You know when you're out in the bee yard and you've got more than five hives and you're trying to remember, you know what date you did the split, when you saw the you know queen cell uh, get capped, when you saw her emerge. All this, that's it. And you got you know you've got propolis on your hands and your hands are sticky. And you know, it's hard to want to reach into your phone or your pocket and grab your phone and then recall the notes. So I've just been taking a paint marker. On top of the lid, and I'll make my note whatever that it is pertinent to, and put the date on it. And then when I'm run to the bee yard, if I remember, there's I thought there was a couple of hives that had this going on, or these queens were doing this, and I can just just walk right by them and, and see. For me, that works right now. I'd like to get um, next year when I get more into queen rearing. Um, I'd like to you know to find a better way to, to keep keep the not really the inspection reports, but just to keep. I need to find a way to to keep my mind organized and it's not digitally like I just I don't do well with trying to keep things in notes or type it into a, a phone um, I just I, I hate it I don't like it I like pencil and paper and I like a little binder or a no, little notepad or something you know something
0: yeah i, I I'm, I'm trying to do that uh, even just for the farm I notice like I, I I'll print out of checklist and I'll make notes of what the day's like and then I track my sales so I have all this data I'm like okay what do, what do I do next <laughs> like So I think it's like, you know, and I think, and I think, but the important thing is, is that you're working it out. Like you're, you're figuring it out. You figured out what doesn't work. You are taking notes. You know that there's probably a way I need to improve on this to make it a little bit more organized, but it's going to happen. I mean, it's just something that's going to happen. It's just like anything. We we want everything to, to happen overnight. Um, or people have an expectation that all from the start, I'm going to be on point. I don't. I don't think you're going to learn Mm-mm. as much if you do that because you got to be
1: open and, and willing to fail. You're never going yeah. to. I learned. I learned. I've learned so much this year from guys like Michael Jordan, um, brother Adam, like some you know guys that are respected, um, not because they keep the most amount of bees or they have the most level of bee wizardry, but just because of how they do what they do, um, and that's super um, influential. And you know just. Yeah, there's there's just so much to it all that you can't begin to say I'm a this type of beekeeper and I'm gonna stick to these cards because I bought this deck yeah. and I can't you know I can't be I can't be look, look like an idiot because I bought this red deck and so I now I got to play you know these red cards you know you got to be able to say I'm gonna grab a few cards from this deck and a few cards from this deck because it feels like this is what I should be doing and then you do it and you just look at the results and then you have to be you have to be I don't want to say smart enough but you have to have you have to be able to check your ego and check your pride to say, "Hey, this is why is this failing?" Or what? You know, when I I was losing hives left and right, I was making splits and I was losing them left and right. I'm thinking, "What? I'm doing everything that I thought I should be doing. Why am I losing them?" You know? And there's this weird thing that happens with with the bees, but I'm a little weird. So when I can't figure out what's going on with the bees, I go sit in my chair and I watch them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like a light switch goes off, and then there's an answer. And then I'll go and I'll look in the hive, and then that same thing that spoke to me, whatever it was, then you see it and then it makes sense. You're like, yeah. okay, well that, okay, I get it, I get that now.
0: Is that how you figured out I can't move to the big boxes? That's
1: exactly how I figured it out. Yep,
0: yep. Because that was something we were doing, and and it was like, okay. And I think and I and and that was something we did the last time was we moved them all, and we were like, okay, all the kids are gonna have a hive. Your extended child Drew's gonna have a hive. Just teasing. And, uh, but you know, and, and so yeah. we were, we were all excited and then we lost all those hives.
1: Yeah. The first thing I you know, the you know, us to have bees here is it's, it's a family deal. It's not just, um, you know, we're going to just have a bunch of hives and try to make some kind of a bee enterprise. The idea is to get the kids into beekeeping. All of us learn at the same time. And so, you know, before I could offer any hives to anybody, I had to make sure that all the kids had hives. And so when we were making those last splits, um, I had at that point, I'd only had seven at that point that were, uh, queen right. And I had at that point, probably eight splits that failed. And so the Hiawatha hive was looking like it was going to be, uh, good. And then, like I said, that swarm came in and, and chewed them out. And then at that point I had one more hive that came on, that came on board, um, that queened, And I said, Hey, I've, you know, I, 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 now I've got what I need here to, to feel, to, to fulfill my personal commitment. Um, you know, to my goals here, I have one extra one, but now it's late in the season. I don't know how much good it's going to do for you and in, for your context, but, you know, we could bring it out, um, or we could just leave it here. You know, the thing about, you know, bringing that hive out is if I just take one hive here and bring it anywhere, you know, there's a, there's a level of, uh, of, of maintenance, but there's also a level of, um, if you have goals early on it can put those goals back so every every hive that i move from here is one more hive that i can't split with my own time and that goes back to you know we're talking about you know folks that are only are going to get bees if they catch swarms and they're only interested in and in catching
0: sounds a lot like some people on this podcast beginning of the season <laughs> oh my gosh
1: but it was even well, like well i think no yeah. i think i think uh, i think you were on board doing swarms and i was like i'm buying bees um, you, but I you thought swarm, about it, great. You, yeah. you
0: you had traps up and you had entertained yeah. it. And then something that you said immediately was I was like, because I asked you, I was like, so, I mean, were, were they smaller bees? Like, did you do it? You're like, nope. And honestly, I'm glad they didn't stay because I don't want big bees.
1: I, yeah, I don't want I just don't want anything I, to do with them right now in, yeah. my, in my context. So it's not that I think big, large cell bees aren't bad bees and they're not. You know Monsanto, poisonous bees, man. There's nothing like no. that. It's just from what, how I'm trying to manage these bees, the the attributes that I'm looking for, those just don't aren't occurring in large cell bees. It's not a definitely in this for, area
0: for your context.
1: And It's a matter of time too. You know, yeah. with with all this, you know, farmstead scale, anything, you know, you can only put a certain amount of time into it. And making swarm traps and putting yeah. swarm traps out and keeping up on those requires a certain amount of time. I already have a bee yard established. Where I can go out and spend a tenth of the time, and and literally make ten times the amount of bees, yeah, just by having a little bit of knowledge of bee biology and making splits. To me, it's like right now I'd, I'd rather work on these small cell genetics and see what these these small cell bees are doing, and put my time into that rather than uh, throwing in another different factor, yeah, that goes into the equation.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's good. I think you know both of us tend to try to bite off more than we could chew. And I think this year, with the bees, I think it kind of helped shed some light on that fact. It was like, you know, it was something I said in the last episode was, you know, it it just doesn't make sense for me to do bees right now. Like, I I need to learn. I mean, this is the first time I've been self-employed. Like, I should really focus on that and figure Mm -hmm. that out because... I can't pay my mortgage. What's the point in keeping bees? And so, right, and so there, there's different contexts, man, and and in something too. Um, you know, everyone I talk to, they love bees, but it's it's even it's just always every for a lot of people. And something Michael says is it's you know it's not a it's it's an, it's a it's a hobby for for wealthy people, and it and and you know, and it's a, uh, it, and that's something that. I was talking to these two, these other farmers, it's just about bees. We're just networking and talking, and there was there's two guys, and uh, the one goes, "Yeah, we've we've made a rule. He's no longer allowed to put any more money into bees. Yep. Whatever he has, that's it. If those hives die, then he's done." And it, and it, and I think it's it's something that I feel, and I think a lot of it, maybe it has something to do with people not clearly defining their goals, or right. And, and and I think it has a lot to do with that because I, I think what if you were trying to do honey, small cell bees, and if you were trying to do a bunch of stuff all at the same time this year with these bees, catching swarms, and, and that was something, like, Dan called me at least three times early on and I didn't even have the hives painted and I think they're painted now. They're here, so, they're here they're somewhere. They're
1: painted, stacked up for when you're ready. Yeah, and,
0: and so it was like, uh, and I was like, and, and it I just had to say like oh I guess it is swarm season and I was just like I'm not even close to ready to have bees. Mm-hmm. Like I and I just wasn't. And, and it felt good to know that. It felt good to know, yep. you know I did have these goals at the beginning of the year. Like I wanted I, I wanted if I was gonna do it, I was gonna put little to no money into it because right. I know I know it can be a money trap. And then, you know, through the season we decided, you know, well maybe do I really want to mess with wintering them or do I just want to experience with bees? And I was like, yeah, I think it's just the experience. And then, and then we went to, well, if we could just get Greg's bees out here, that would be a fun, interesting thing for you to see. Let's see how these genetics do in the city versus in this climate. But again, goes back to your goals. And does that really make sense for your goals for your first year, just trying to propagate these genetics? and no it doesn't so i i think it's just like everything else i mean even with with um farming i mean it, it, it's you know with with your hogs i mean you, you had an opportunity you could have tried to farrow hogs this year and then you thought about it again you're like no i don't want to do that why would i why would i want to do that yeah and then it's uh and and but instead like now you can have some lamb rams and you can have some beef beef cattle and you can have some milk for, or goat milk so goats for milk and so it, it makes more sense and it's also uh it's on a very small scale you have two cows you have two goats and you have two lamb rams so and then you have i think you have a lot less birds now as well than mm-hmm. what you've previously had so it's you know you, you bite off a lot of what you can chew and then you go back you take a look at everything and then you're like, okay, so what what's actually manageable? And I'm gonna avoid using the word balls since you and Diego had so much fun saying balls, <laughs> juggling balls and all that uh, stuff. But I think you know it's 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 cool to see and it goes it goes back to Hogtoberfest, right? It's it's cool to see what's changed in the year, not just for the community, but everybody that's in the community. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, last year when I first came here. You had some some posts in the ground over there, and you said, "Here's another failed project. It's gonna sometimes be. It's gonna be our outbuilding." Yep. And then you said, "I'm gonna have a smokehouse over here eventually, and I'm gonna have this here, and I'm and I'm gonna turn turn this shed into a summer kitchen, walk-in cooler, and then here we are. You know, what is it? It's about f- 13 months later, and all that stuff's here, and I and I th- it's it's cool to see. Or even, you know, you you come to my property." And man, I sure was struggling to get a lot of work done. So what did I do? I outsourced, I was resourceful, and I decided, thanks to your help to trade space in my home to somebody that likes to do the work that I don't like to do. So I could focus on selling and networking and, and trying to gain business that way the, way, the things I like to do. And I think, um, so I, I think it's you know knowing, knowing what your skill sets are and knowing where you can excel. And, and I'm not saying people should not challenge themselves and get uncomfortable, because I, I definitely think you should. I mean, it, it's it's uncomfortable for me to to have somebody else living in my house, but, it, you know, I think it's good for me. But I'm sure it's uncomfortable to have, you know, different animals around here that you've never managed before, to have all these bees around here that yeah. you've never managed before. But I think it's, you know, when you actually do start doing that and you start managing it, I think the reward from that is, is huge. I don't know why I went on this big tangent, Greg. I well, I think that,
1: it's a, it's a, you're making an important point there that I think a lot of folks don't, you know, that's a point that folks who haven't pushed the limits haven't seen for themselves. And whether it was the, the building here taking forever and all this stuff, you know, feeling like it's not happening for so long because I'm wrapping up all my time and all these other enterprises. I mean, you, you don't know your limits until you actually push them or try to explore them. Yeah. And there's a, there's a beautifully, uh, freeing thing. About getting so close to that line that you're ready to quit at all, but just backed off of that line to where like you know what I've got nothing to prove to anybody but to myself yeah I've got I've got nothing to prove except I'm gonna to prove to these kids and my wife that you know we're a family and we're gonna do this together and we there's a reason why we're out here doing all these kind of things and once you start looking at things in a little bit different kind of a lens, you don't care how many anything you have or you do. It doesn't fit your goals, or your context. You could care less. And once you get good doesn't with matter. that, the next thing you know, you're having. I had so much fun. Yeah, you know, my dad was out here, um, and the boys. You know, we we, we busted hard um, to get the woodshed and the underground smoker and the, the smokehouse and the workshop into the condition that it is. Was all this a beautifully clean, immaculate, you know, picturesque farm? No, no
0: way.
1: And you know what? And I, I, and you I wouldn't want it to be though. I mean, I I sure i you'd like it to be. You know more pristine in this, but you know when folks come here to visit, they to they they see it. They see real life. You know there is I, no show. This is this is it is what it is when you come here.
0: I think. I think not putting on that show is inspiring for other people to say, you know, and I can do it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest thing I got out of it. Like it's it's it. It. it I, I was thinking a lot this year, like you know. Um, and I think in, even for Rich too, like Rich, because Rich always wants to have everything done right now and loves to slave away and work, and and I appreciate it. I'm like Rich, let's you gotta have some fun. I know you think this is fun, but it's not. Like you gotta have some fun. Like I appreciate all your hard work, and damn, does this look good? And damn, do I appreciate out, your ideas. But yeah, you gotta have some fun. He's like, yeah, you're right. And I think it's like it's it's good because Rich helps me be more conscious of like hurricane drew that goes through the house and i just get focused on what i'm doing so i get this done 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 this 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 and then i leave this huge mess and it's like okay well let's let's slow down a little bit let's let's take some time out and let's let's be conscious let's have let's appreciate this and i think but you know just around my house or just around anything it's like you know i was thinking you know it's gonna get done it doesn't have to get done now it's going to get done and then taking a look, like how much different my property looks now, how much different, and, and like thinking about stuff, like you know your smokehouse. Everybody kept, I like, think you know Michael was all trash when I when I got here. He's like, "Did you see Greg's smokehouse?" Yes, because I drove up there and I go, <laughs> "No." He's like, "You got to check out this smokehouse." And so we went down there. I was like, "Damn, Greg, that's fucking cool." And I remember uh I was even telling a chef. I was telling the chef he was my my mm. my friend. And I was like telling him and he, he'd wanted to come to the chicken butchering. And he's, he's, he wrote on the calendar at the restaurant for the, the turkey butchering. And then, uh, I was telling, he's like, does he have a smokehouse? I'm like, yeah, dude, he built it. It's so fucking cool. Nice. And I was telling him there's, there's a pig skull and smoke comes out of its mouth. If the house is really smoky <laughs> and nice. I'm like, just kind of breaking it down. And then, I then I just think about different things is like to us, we're just doing this stuff because we want to teach ourselves. And then I don't, I don't always realize like what, what kind of impact that has on other people, um, because it, it's, it's interesting, man. Like I try, I try to share what we're doing. Like I, I shared your hive thing, and like I shared not your hive thing, but you know your pictures of the inspector, because oh, yeah. I thought it was cool. And you're my friend, and I was like, yeah, I'm proud of Greg. Like Greg's busted his ass this year with these bees. I saw him. I helped him one day, and man, that was intense. And like. He's just staying at it. Everything looks healthy, and I'm like, "That's that's awesome." That we had these suspicions about what what was going to go on with these small cells, and we we talked about, um, and I even from my conversations with Michael and him talking about why these small cell bees, why he's trying to re- reduce his cell cell size. We talked about the very first episode: AR root thinking bigger is better, increasing the cell size and slowly increasing the cell size. Now Michael slowly decreasing that. Right. Um. And so we had these, these suspicions that, you know, bigger is not better and bigger is actually probably part of, we suspect is part of the root cause of varroa mite and of, of these other ailments that are affecting these bees. And that could be part of it or it could just be proactive beekeeping.
1: Well, it's an interesting parallel that you draw, though. <clears throat> you know, if you just think about, you know, how you and I are, are both guilty of biting off more than we can chew, but we still eat it cold yeah uh you know with all these things out here we were taking on all we were we we drank the kool-aid and we thought we were going to be farmers and be farming and all this kind of stuff and then you know you you start to realize that you know those larger and larger things that you're adding in there is is taking away from how beautiful the smaller scale can actually be it's it's not that different from the bees you know you start to do things uh to make that system be bigger and bulkier and you know faster harder stronger and and then uh, it, you, then you start to see all the pests that follow and all the all the all the negative things when you push nature you know too far in that direction all the ram- all the, those those ramifications and it's not until you kind of um, embrace that smaller cell whether it's a small cell B bee or a small scale yeah. you know here on the farmstead then it's like there's a harmony to that there's a there's a natural alignment it feels like with 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 Knowing that context and, and and appreciating that and feeling good at that and then it's just like, you know, all these things seem to work out. You know, somehow, you know, on a small acre, you know, farmstead, we were able to get this entire place, all the animals healthy and and off to the butcher and everything's going so well here. And then we throw in a wrench like Oktoberfest. Let's just have, you know, fifty plus people here for you know five days or three days, depending on who got here when or just one day and let's entertain and have a good time. And that, like that in itself, Stressful. you know, there's been, a, a, and I really appreciate all the folks that, you know, have sent so many kind words and messages and, you know, I, it it really does feel great to feel appreciated. And I, and I know that a lot of folks have expressed that and that's, it really makes it worthwhile. That, yeah. that, that what it takes to put something like that on is, is, is really tricky to say the least. And it, when it all just works out, so well and so smooth you know you have to you know the, um, we're, i'm still processing Octoberfest, and that's been a Again, week ago
0: yeah i same here man it's uh, and it's and it's it's not just hogtoberfest like a, like i don't i think about like how my life has changed from the community even even within the podcast but it's like you know i'm not trying to sell anything like no. I, I'm I'm not trying to sell anything. Like I am begging people for a dollar on Patreon now because it was something we were talking about doing the cooler. And I was like, "It's something I didn't really want to do. And I asked you guys because you guys are like the first listeners I'd really interact with. And the first thing a community and, and something that was special about it was other conversations we had was about I don't want just online community. I want real life community. Right. And that was, you know. It was something you said, and I was like, because I was coming to these conclusions, and you were too. And you said, Well, what, what would we do if there was no Facebook tomorrow? And I was like, Yeah, man, we'd have to go and network the old way. But now we have these friends that we use Facebook for, right? So we, and it's something that's whether it's been Death Squad, Ohio GSD, and now like I have, um, have the School Sucks event on Monday. And it's, and Brett's like, Yeah, it's, it's going to be the biggest event. I don't know any of these people. Greg but I have all these people messaging me and I was like know, yeah, I'll help Brett out because mm-hmm. I think Brett needs to experience community of any of any like-minded type but then it's it, it for me then it goes something beyond like nobody and this is something Michael said to us and, I, and I'm not trying to have us pat ourselves on the backs it's not I think it's just uh that this is not our intention our intention is to inspire people to create their own communities we don't want to brag and say we're great. Like I think we're all pretty fucking cool and I'm, and I'm pretty happy with my friends and who we have and how it's changed my life and how it's made me really change the way I looked at the idea of having a family in the future too. Like it was something I always wanted to have, but I think just seeing healthy families, seeing good parents and seeing like it's, it's helped me get over my own fucked up, you know, hillbilly history of of and I, and I and i say it's hillbilly but it's mainly just being in the midwest growing up in the rust belt being everybody comes from a broken home in a sense And it was something we've, we've talked about a lot and i think having us come together in the old ways um coming together as a community helping each other out i think is is powerful and i think it's something that it's uh you know there's there's different forms of capital and to me social capital is always the most important and I think, and it's something I, I've never taken for granted. It's something that was always more important because I, you know, believe it or not, I didn't have a ton of good friends growing up. Like I had people I could connect with, but most of my peers, people I got along with were adults. Um, I don't know if it's because I always had older siblings or how much time I spent with my grandfather or anything, but I, I just never really did. So when I became of age and I could find peers that were in close age to have friends, that was so important to me because I don't have, I mean I, I don't I didn't have a lot of close friends and so like friend a friendship to me I always had this value for and there was always right. this this sense of loyalty sure. and everything else like that. So, you know, I think for Rich when he came and he, he would say, uh, we're getting pretty far from bees, but I think it's it's important. Um when Rich would say, Oh, you're just like Tom Sawyer, like all your friends come and help you, I'm like, Yeah, because they're my friends. And I, I'll help them if they needed right. something. Even if like look I'm not a very skilled laborer around here, but damn, I, I lifted as many heavy boards as I could. We'll put you to work one. We'll find. We'll yeah, find or, someone's
1: uh, or, value in the skills, or we'll, I, we'll I, make it work. I
0: pounded in a lot of fence poles for Dan, and uh, yeah. and I helped. Uh, I did. I did whatever simple task my uh I could do at Paul's with that fence building. Yeah, but you're
1: learning. You're like everybody I'm else. Learning, yeah. you know, even even you know even I I know how to do these things. You know, managing folks that don't know how to do those things, or helping or assisting. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning something right beside somebody who you know whether they're learning how to, to pound a tea post, you know I'm learning how to help somebody learn. Yeah. you know so there's always it, it, you know I think what you're touching on is you're talking about you know someday you know, maybe having a family and community. Let me if you think about this for a second, there's about two ways that you can have community or you can have a family. Yeah, one way is you're the you're the type of person who says, oh, if I had a wife and three dependents. I could have this much deduction on my taxes or my finances. Therefore I want a family for profit.
0: Yeah. I don't want, that. or you
1: could be the type of guy who wants to have a family because you want that, you know, personal community inside of your house kind of a thing. The same thing goes when you're building community, you can have a community for real, which is a hashtag that we use, Yeah, you know, where folks are taking away, they're giving up their time. They're giving away their, they're, they're not, they they're, the work that they're doing They're They're setting that aside. They're showing up, they're giving their time. Um, they're not coming to slave and help me chick butcher chickens or turkeys or a pig because no. I, we, I, I don't need we don't it, it it's it's wonderful to have the help but it's a learning opportunity to have folks come here um, to learn these things yeah. side by side we can either we get together as a community like that where we come to help and to learn and just to be us wherever we are right then and there or I charge you know everyone ten dollars to come do all those things it's it's gonna kind of have a certain value to it yeah, and for me and the folks that that we run circles with, you know, to drop what you're doing and to give somebody your time, you can you can't put a price on that. Yeah, to to to, to spend ten bucks or three hundred bucks to go to a workshop to learn a skill that you're not going to know until you go put the time in for yourself when when your feet's to the fire. I mean, that's the different. Whether it's raising a family or it's building community or it's setting off, you know, on on a an enterprise. On your farm or farmstead, you have to, or if it's keeping bees, you have to know right from the very beginning why you're doing that thing. Yeah. And if, if you aren't clear with yourself and you're not getting real, you know, you're going to set yourself down a path that's, that there's going to be some destruction for sure. And it's, that's, I, I think that's why, you know, I think that's why these bees have been so successful this year because we were very clear at our, at, at our intention. We had, we had some, some pillars that we felt like we're, we we're, we're supporting, um, our management goals. And we just tried to get in tune with nature as much as we can look for that feedback and adapt. And if, if I would have said I was a treatment free beekeeper that leans on a biodynamic, whatever, whatever, I'd have been screwed already because I wouldn't yeah. have seen the things that were happening because I would have been too blinded by the tunnel vision of the glasses that I was wearing of, you know, uh, preaching whatever bee dro- doctrine it might've been.
0: And going back to your goals, you didn't force anything. You didn't, uh, you weren't trying to force things. You were you were trying to learn. You were trying to. to um, it kind of goes back to this. I read the, I read this book a long time ago, Power versus Force, and it's always hard to put it into words. You know what power is and what force is, and and I think you know you you get power by humbling yourself to learn and educate yourself. It's not about uh, it's not about forcing your goals. I mean, like it. it I could. Like, you know, even to get back to the farm and kind of contrast this since I didn't keep bees and that's what I put my, my focus on was I could have tried to force a lot of stuff. I could have tried to force things to make revenue grow quicker or to make uh, to make uh to try to to try to say, oh, I'm going to be the next small scale farm celebrity. I'm going to you know, I, I want to do this so then I can develop a course and sell it immediately. But it's like, you know, that's that's a stupid goal.
1: Do I get 10% off while you sample? Oh, sample on, the, on the farm? Free shipping on that workshop. <laughs> I want free shipping <laughs> on that online workshop. Free shipping on the online workshop.
0: That's funny. Yeah, that, uh, that doesn't make, in my context, that wouldn't make sense. What I wanted to do was I wanted to pay my bills on a 15th of an acre. And if I would have tried you know, I, I, I definitely left money on the table, but that's, I'm okay with that. That's, you know, I, I, but you've had to adapt.
1: I adapt. And you've had to make changes. And you had I to did, do things that my, you wouldn't, you didn't think that you were going to want to have to do to start off with. No. But that's what you're doing to yeah. keep, to make, like, that's what's appropriate for your context right now. Exactly.
0: And I am developing a customer base and it's like, and I don't even, and I don't even feel like I'm trying hard. All I'm doing is, is being myself, I'm yeah. being myself, I'm being real with customers I correct them when they say sprouts, even though when I sold when I sold stuff for other companies, that's like something they teach you in sales is don't correct people. But it, to me it's like, well, no, this isn't. This is, this is me living my values. And if this is important for me to be you, be educated about f- your food. I'm not going to be a dick to you about it, but I am going to educate you. And I and I'll make fun of myself when I say it. I'm like, look, I'm yeah. kind of a bit of a hippie. And I I'm, I'm believe that plants should be grown in soil because that's the way they are in nature. So everything I grow is, is it's soil grown and it's chemical free. Because I'm not, I feel like there are all these words like we we saw that that label like Gosh, res, restorative. beyond or
1: re- regenerative beyond or organically man. Yeah, like it's, enough with all this. We all don't need eggs, any more labels. We just need, need, no one needs that. We
0: just need people to educate themselves. You about know what their we food.
1: need? We need like labels like sample yeah. or labels like michael jordan yeah that's Greg what Burns. that's this guy that's what he does that's great and and he can who he can this year might do it like this or next year do it like that because he has this mental approach I and mean, that's you need you need people that are that aren't afraid to step out of of this this artificial knowledge box and just be you know get into tune to to looking you know at themselves and that nature mm-hmm. and 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 see those changes and understand that there are seasons and things are going to pass and things are going to change and you know once you get good with just being just like just being like right now we're here i've got a cat on me there's cats crawling all over you we're not even at your house no like we're just being us yeah. and we we're not it. trying We've... to be podcasters no. we're not trying to be you know whatever just put some mics on you know
0: i don't we don't put on a show when we get on the microphone
1: I'm getting a little bit woo-woo and it could it might have something to do with that magnificent bacon tomahawk chop that was debuted that is
0: we do need to share so we had a we had a fun accident because it was something I wanted to do and it and it was a goal for me and it kind of made me push my limit with uh I was like you know, I have access to good meat if I'm going to say support your farmer. Like I I don't, the thing, I, I don't, I don't want to buy commodity meat. Like I, you know, we butchered Mr. Brisket. We helped Justin hunt with his hogs. And after October fest, we also did Lulu fest. I'm like, you know what? Like, I think I should get half. Well, originally I wanted to, I wanted to cut up my whole hog. And then you're like, Drew, that's a lot of work. I think you should, it is nice to send something off to a butcher and just be able to go get it out of your freezer. I'm like. You're right. That's a good idea. So that was something else. Like that was my goal this year. I'm gonna butcher my whole hog and I'm gonna do all this charcuterie. Shoot stuff. it, you're
1: gonna you're gonna shoot it, stick it, butcher it the whole I, I wanted
0: to do it all, right? But I didn't do I didn't do most of it and it, it was nice. Well you butchered it. I did butcher it, but it, you know what, I, I would way rather have Jake stick that hog than me. Yeah. Because like Jake I mean I, I He raised it. He raised it. That was his hog and if I could if I could, you know, purchase half a hog and your dad could purchase the other half and we could give Jake that opportunity like that that's important man and i dude shane was so blown away because he knew i was sick and he knew i was on my way out he's like hey man i'm leaving i'm gonna miss you tonight dude it was pretty awesome today like shane was so excited he's like yeah nate gotta stick the pig and i was like oh man i I missed that like that sucks like i missed that event for in nate's life
1: it's a rite of passage for both those boys yeah to be the one to to plunge the knife and,
0: and and Jake saying the other day when we're sitting out here on the porch recording saying you know I, I felt I felt honored right and it's like you know and 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 it's like you know how many belly rubs did you give that pig he's like probably probably a lot and I, people don't have that kind of relationship with their food people don't they don't know where it comes from I remember man some old man pissed me off at the Pickerington Farmers Market the other day because uh, I was like I was running late go figure. Because I, I, oh, because I got it, I decided to get a haircut. Was is like, Drew
1: time fifteen minutes or forty five minutes?
0: It depends on what how my day. Either is one's going. better than Burns' time. <laughs> Sometimes depends on if you're bringing the kids or not. So this guy sees me like I fresh cut lettuce. Like I cut it off, out of it was stuff I started, and I knew that there, I needed to have timing. But actually, this is something I learned this season. Was you know when you're on a small plot of land, it's good to it's good to have other farmer friends that grow the same stuff you do and maybe don't have the markets that you have. Because I bought, Fogel bailed me out a ton with lettuce, and I bailed him out because he was like, yeah, it's just going to go to waste. Yeah. And, and through our community, now we're, we're developing an economy. And right. it's not even an economy like, oh, I'm trying to sell Fogel stuff, or Did, Fogel's yeah. trying to sell me stuff. It's a win-win. Like, mm, sure. I, I need I need to sell. I need stuff to sell. He needs a place to, for stuff to go.
1: And where that's great is that is a very specific uh, very defined relationship. Yeah. You know, you you're not buying that from him or him selling it to you so you guys can be friends or be no. a community or be anything other than making that transaction that helps you both.
0: Yeah, and he had said something and we were talking and he was said he had pork and I'm like, "You know what, man, I'm getting a whole hog from Rich, but I'm I'm done with my hog and Mr. Brisket's running low." And it, this whole thing, I don't want to buy commodity pork and he he so I bought half a hog from him and but it was kind of like you know it's just like you know when the the original way cap that was the original way capitalism worked and it was like you know you you invest money in a community and it goes back i mean Fogel bought stuff for me too um he bought some microgreens to sell He and, and so um so i had so okay so to get back to the story so i i learned from that and i said to joel hey joel um if i start lettuce can you plant it and then I'll buy it off of you, but you I'm I'm pretty much out of seed. So you gotta you know, if you buy seed, he's like, that's awesome. I just bought seed and I, I need to put I need to augment my hoop house because right now it's too hot and it's not uh, it's not irrigated, so it's gonna fry my lettuce. So mine mine wasn't. I mean, mine was irrigated with rich, which was pretty nice. And then we actually ended up moving it out and I put it in the aisleways and I let my just my existing irrigation irrigate it. So anyways, I get done. I, I put in a lot of details. that probably didn't need to go there. So I, I get done and I, I harvest lettuce. So I bring this tote with me to Pickerington because I was running late and it's about a 40 minute drive from my cooler to Pickerington. And I uh, sat there. This old guy comes. He's got hearing aids. He's looking at me. And I can tell he's grossed out because I'm packaging lettuce with my hands. And I'd wash my hands. Like I went in the bathroom, wash my hands. He's like, where'd you wash your hands at? I go, in the bathroom. I'm like, does it gross you out, man? And he's like, well, that's why they made gloves. I'm like, you know, you should wash all your greens anyways. Wow. And I was just like, why wouldn't you wash your greens? I mean, have you been on a farm? He's like, well, your tote's dirty too. I'm like, yeah, dude, it came from a farm. Like, what do you want? You're, wow. you're an old man. You should know this. Can you
1: imagine if he was here this weekend and it saw us all <sighs> laying our fleshy hands on a big piece of pork carcass?
0: And then, and I didn't wash my hands when we were eating, when we were cutting up the seniors. And then I, when we ate the pizza. And it, it, to me, it was just like, you know what? Like, the nice thing about owning my business is, you know, one of my goals was to not deal with other people's assholes. I don't want that guy to be my customer. Right. I mean, like, I, I just don't. That's not a guy I want to hug. That's not a guy that, that I, I feel like he's so far removed from food. That it's just like you know like that's not my customer like i don't really care like i'm glad he came to the farmer's market and whatever but you know he's just there for the social thing and it's like and this is this is the freshest food you're gonna get i literally just cut this lettuce and brought it here and yeah i mean so it was it was funny so i mean like i sometimes i I have fun being an asshole i guess that's the moral of the story like i'm not I, i wasn't even a jerk to the guy i was actually trying to engage him in a conversation like Let's break down why this is weird to you.
1: But this, the, these are the problems that you have now in this context, and these are problems that you'd have could only dream of having a year ago.
0: It's a privilege.
1: I mean, th- that's abso- a privilege. It absolutely is farm a setting like this. Yeah, raising these animals for ourselves, all this is a privilege that everyone, you know, takes for granted. Yeah, and, man. You know, that's. I think that's where it gets back to. But I, whether it's the bees or anything. So when you just get good with just being, just being a part of it yeah. and quit trying to push stuff. Things open and up I,
0: for yourself, the, man. The, the, it all, it just, everything even,
1: opens up and just works.
0: Even me getting laid off, right? Like how many conversations did I wear you out with? Like Greg, I want your advice. I, I like this. I have a good job. I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't quit. And I, we can wrap this up soon. Uh, um, we're going, we, we thought only 20 minutes from an hour and 18. Um, and I think it's just special because I think it's been like a year. This time last year, literally a year ago, I, I came here. We were drinking cider on the farm and I was about to sleep in the camper because we we're going to plant yep. a bunch of trees the next day. And we decompressed. We did this last year, too. We decompressed because I I pushed <laughs> to make it a big event and you wanted it to be a small a small family event and then you yeah. caved in. And uh it, it and I think it 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 helped kickstart the community. I mean, if you wouldn't have put yourself out there, I don't I don't think we would we would have had the success with Ohio GSD. Um and uh so yeah, I think taking that step, us having that conversation about what do you actually want with your podcast, True, put it put me in a position to make the decision that you know what? I'm going to ride out this job. It doesn't make sense for me to quit a well-paying job. doesn't matter how long I hate it to do farming and make a lot less money, especially if it's an easy paying job. And it was something that we discussed. And then like something I, I brought up with you and it was something that that you brought up too. And it goes back to goals. The goal with farming was never to quit my job. It was to have a backup plan for when I got laid off. Yeah. And it was something for you too. You're, you weren't getting into this to do it full time and be a farmer. It was just some romantic idea that right. you that you that sh- briefly got sucked into.
1: Yeah, it's, it can spin. You know, when you're when you are ambitious and you are you know riding that ride that quick. I mean, it didn't take. You can spin out of control and be heading the wrong direction quick if you're not you know constantly you know checking yourself. You you, you can definitely wreck yourself, but.
0: Yeah, and be prepared to eat some humble pie, man. And yep. I think, and that's the biggest thing, too. So I think with that, man, I hear a lot of stuff going on with the kids. Maybe we should go in there and say goodnight and everything else like that. But, uh, Greg, thanks for, for doing everything you do, man. Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap up the Buzzcast and transition. Um, we got Diego Footer coming in to visit both of us. Yep. Next couple of days. I got School Sucks podcast coming up, the live, live meetup. And then, um, going out to LA for another big thing for the podcast. So hopefully that will make Look it myself you, uncomfortable. You fancy man.
1: All I have is a summer kitchen walk-in cooler full of hand-cured bacon and that's, country ham.
0: That's way better. Well, I mean even like just us sharing that like how many people <laughs> thought that was cool like Yeah, what well, is cool? It is it's super cool. My grandpa was so excited and it made me say, "Yeah, I need to get another podcast with him to really discuss." when well, it was something that we we discussed about the old-timers too about you know, people want to have conspiracies as to why our food quality got so low, and it's really simple. It's, I mean, you can have, yeah, sure, there was some dirty business moves made, yep, but I mean, that was just because it's people trying to feed their families. It's yep. always, but to me, food it's food got
1: cheaper and easier, and that meant you could yeah. you could make it happen for your family a little yeah. easier.
0: Clearly, I mean, I, I, that's it, and I think it's it's a privilege to be able to go to a grocery store and buy shitty food. Yeah, for sure. I mean it It, it is, hundred percent. It, it's it's made it so we have a lot less starving people in the world. And and a lot of that too is from fossil fuels people. So I'm, I know you might I might I might grind some gears with that one and talk about how oil evil is, but if oil Tell us is,
1: how you feel about global warming, Drew, would you? Why we're why we're on task here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean I I Is this
1: I, microphone USDA or certified organic? I don't I don't know. It's not
0: certified organic, mm. it's not biodynamic either. Um but uh I mean you know
1: what it is though, it does say R E A L space capital A capital F.
0: <laughs> Real that's, as fuck. And that's good <laughs> enough for me, buddy. <laughs> we could wrap it up. I, I, I mean if if you really want me to get into global warming I will. Ultimately we'll we'll put it we'll wrap it up. Look, the planet's changing. The planet's going to change. We have to adapt.
1: And when we're dead and gone, it's going to change. It's going to keep changing. We're not killing the planet. A few of years. Maybe there'll be a couple other schmucks that are going to have all these people epiphanies. Need and people translate. need to get
0: to, to the fact that humans aren't as powerful as we think we are. We're a blip in, the, in, the, in this thing that we call time. It's a, Time is a human concept, and the planet doesn't give a fuck about it. They don't give a fuck about our values. The planet doesn't care about our morals. The planet doesn't care about if our kids eat or not. Nature is not this peaceful place that people think it is. Yeah, it's peaceful for us when we learn to work with it. But nature will kill you, and it won't even it care. It looks
1: pretty peaceful with those Instagram filters,
0: though. <laughs> I mean, the reality of the situation is nature's not good or bad. It's it just nature. Is. It just is. Yep. It's, you, you know what, we, you, can, you can interact with it. We had a sweet dog come here the other day. Just showed up. It just showed up. We could have been pretty cruel, and if the dog was, was trying to hurt us, yeah, it would have been time to get rid of that dog. But that dog just let me pick it up and hold it like a baby. Yep. We both kind of looked at each other and we're like, this dog doesn't, it's not trying to force its will on anything on this farm. And it follows the kids and it does it in a peaceful, protective way. It's yep. pretty interesting. Yep. So now we got a new member of the Burns Burns Farm. So that's A uh, dog, not a kid. A dog, yeah, yeah. A dog. It's a, it's a dog named Lady. So I think with that being said, man, let's, uh, we could wrap
1: it up. Are we going to, we're pretty much at the end of the, I mean, uh, coming up here in the next, oh, three weeks or so, I'm going to finally decide what or if I'm going to do anything to winterize the bees. And when I, the reason why I haven't determined I'm going to do anything yet, because I need to do a little bit of, you know, digging, uh, mentally and what my goals are and and see you know what kind of effort I want and time I want to put into them and if so I I want to feel good about the why I'm doing it and not just do it just because you know so yeah that's coming up and that'll be for the rest of the year that's that's pretty much it we've gone from five hives to uh, 13 Um, with what we know this year if we were to do a repeat we could be at probably 30 to 40 hives Mm -hmm. um, already this year so it's exciting to go into the winter with with some numbers and we'll see how they do, see how they come out. But, um, all that's left for me in the BR this year really is, uh, just to keep watching them. And then I'll, I'll, I'll break some of them down and into singles, single mediums to go through the winter. Some will be in double mediums for the winter and, um, we'll let mother nature run its course and we'll, uh, see where we end up in the, in the spring. So, you know, I don't know how much content we will have as far as a buzzcast to go. There'll be a, an overwintering or a wintering one maybe with, but um, all I do know is that we started off with five and now we're at 13 with zero varroa mites and we just had the state inspector out to confirm that. And praise so, you. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's a huge, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to let, let get my head get too big on that because that's where things, that's where you can get in trouble. But it's just, you know, it's, I'm, 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 I'm. I'm It's rewarding. Super happy with where it is right now.
0: It's rewarding to know that you made a decision on how you're gonna do something based on your values and that you're rewarded with good job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it's it sounds funny, but I mean, as many people that we talked to at the B club that just basically said, Oh yeah, people say about that and it was just shut down immediately and now you have zero mites, you took five hives to 13 yep. i mean that's uh that's impressive and i think uh so yeah i i think um are we gonna do the b club next year
1: there's a there's a lot to think about this year yeah uh, moving into next year i i really there is a lot of value to trying to further understand um someone else's context and I, for that reason only i think i would um yeah, I, speakers I would, are cool too. I would like I got this sweet I, I, books. I only made it to about half of the uh things this year. I made it
0: to, I made it to the training. I made it to and then one other thing.
1: Yeah, you were it. on fire for 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 a little while there. Yeah. I mean it's you know, they're 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 good people. They 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 do things a little bit differently than we do, and that's the reason why I think I I wanna keep in touch because um I wanna I wanna understand better why you know people do things a certain way so I can understand their why yeah so down the road if i have a situation presented to me i have a point of reference that's that's hyper local to my context and to my biome so that to me is is extremely valuable and is worth the time and effort um to put put into the the b club but and you uh, get
0: it also too you keep doing what you're doing i mean then you then it's then you have some I mean, we don't have to necessarily proselytize the message of no. small-scale bees. No. But if people ask you...
1: There's a point of reference.
0: There's a point of reference. There's an opportunity to share it and say, yeah, I only use small-scale bees. I've been propagating bees. and went from 5 hives to 13 hives. First time we're overwintering them. We come out of winter. They're all great. You split more. You take 13 to 20. I mean, that's a it's pretty, pretty good track record. So... We don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: We'll see what happens. But it's it's been great to, um, to sh- it's been great to share what we're doing mm-hmm. as 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 best as we can relay it, you know, to everyone listening here on the podcast and people that come visit. I mean, it's it's awesome to like. To, I mean, today even, you know, we had a, uh some some folks come to visit and never been around bees, and in a matter of minutes, you know, we're she's holding a frame of bees like right next to her face with no fear yeah and i mean it's you know that's you, you i'm not I mean, saying that needs say, to happen with everybody's well, you say? But
0: people butchered chickens for the first time
1: people butchered yeah, weeks ago and so it's it's i guess it's you know right now it's you know like this is supposed to be the buzzcast we're talking about bees and we're coming off the heels of oktoberfest and the season's winding down so it's kind of like this melting pot of, of a lot of things kind of coming to uh um coming to a climax and to an end and we're trying to process all that so it's you know, it might seem like we're, we're rambling, but to you and I, it's, I think we're, we're tying all think, all kind of things, um, together that is, is a, it's a, it's a privilege to, to be able to sit here and discuss these things, you know, with you and, and for all these folks to, yeah, to listen. And it's, it's, I've, it's been fun, um, sharing the, the BR with people and talking about it with folks and trying to, um, honestly relay our experience and what we're doing and why we're doing it with folks that are listening. Um, just to give them a point of reference to where if they decide, you know, this is, the, their their context aligns with this and they, at least there's a, another point of reference, you know, so I'm super grateful for, for that opportunity and um, to have, you know, all kinds of great people like Michael Jordan, and Daniil Freeman um, in, in our corners and supporting, you know, what, what we do and, you know, I guess at the end of it, it sounds complicated and it sounds difficult, but I think Daniil Price has it best or it's not hard. Figure it out. <laughs> it, it's really. Uh, it, it's that's that's true. It's, it's just a, doing it,
0: man. It's just getting out there and doing it. Live the life you want to live. I yeah, think and you're, find 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 f- live your life in a way that you can find freedom in an unfree world. Yeah, and I think that's that's been, man, that's been the theme of my podcast. And I think if 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 I had to tell people how to share it, it's just my story on how I'm finding freedom in an unfree world. I finally figured out how I could share what the sample is. There it is. Yeah, and I think, but that's that's it in a nutshell, man. I mean, whether it be, I think just being creative. You have to think outside the box, man. I mean, it it took you thinking outside the box to say, yeah, I'm going to move my family out of a a nice house in the suburbs into a modular home with a basement here and then it's it's just the same thing you're expanding on your house it's right now it's like the frame for that or it's the the base but pretty soon there's gonna be a big part of your house there right and i think it's it's you know just knowing just just keep moving man i think that's it somebody somebody said to me a long time and it's a metaphor because i obviously don't believe in hell but you know if you ever feel like you're running through hell it's not appropriate to stop and look around you just want to keep on moving right So keep on moving forward, and then you're in a good spot, man. So whether
1: it's what you're doing or what what the those boys uh, out in Colorado or in Wyoming, all that's doing, yeah, the folks that are listening or or what we hear, I think one of the the the, the biggest, most profound hashtag we could probably throw out there would just be
0: be the change, be the
1: change with B E E B E E the change.
0: (laughs) With that being said, guys, if you want to. Contact Greg Burns. He's at natures underscore image underscore farm on Instagram. Friend him on Facebook. At, it's Greg Burns. He might accept your friend request. He's getting pretty popular these days. Get out of here. Uh, but go to naturesimagefarm.com. Uh, we have per- turkeys.
1: Uh, yeah. We have some turkeys for sale. Yeah. And we have, uh, we're shipping comfrey right now as well. So comfrey and turkeys. Chicken. Through Thanksgiving. Chicken's
0: still on sale too, right? Chicken's or? out. Nope. Chicken's out. Yeah, wow. chickens
1: gone. Just uh, turkeys. Comfrey, and then the springtime we'll have uh, nursery stock, bunch and bunch of fun nursery stock,
0: nursery stock.
1: So all the we do have some secret stuff though. Check the website. We have put together some really cool uh, farm crafted, kitchen crafted soaps and salves, comfrey salves, comfrey soaps, um, all those kind of things. So those be those are pretty, pretty unique and different for us, and represent what we're doing here. Homemade yeah. soap's great. I think, special one's uh, called Lumber Squatch. That's great. And it smells man. like a dreamy pork chop meets <laughs> sawmill. That's
0: nice. It's a man's soap then.
1: And it's a man's soap.
0: It's a man's soap. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I think the more handcrafted stuff you can get, the better. I mean, if you know, it's good to know the person that put something together. It sounds cheesy, but... Yeah, uh, that's. A, I don't want to drag this out another half hour, even though I want to. You
1: don't want to talk about um, farm farm crafted soap for the next three hours. I could. I and mean, you, you know, you have, have to get Susan on for that one because <laughs> all I know is she asked for me to go pick these herbs and and to grow these things, and I do, and then we put them together, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this smells amazing. This works, so, you know.
0: Yeah, that's it's it is nice. Susan is such a. It's so cool that she's into different aspects of the homestead than you are. And that which is still, it's in the same spirit, and it's a, it's a fun thing that you guys open up your home and share your family and your, your inner community with a larger community, and I think it's a, it's wonderful, man. I, I, I think everybody that comes out here and meets your family, I think their life has changed positively, um, and if not, go fuck yourself. No, I'm just kidding.
1: How <laughs> about just be the change, <laughs> be the change, be the change. All right, guys. All right,
0: guys. Thank you. Well, that was me and Greg Burns three months ago. So sorry, Greg, for getting this out so late. Um, anyways, guys, just want to wish you all a happy new year. Um, I hope you guys take some time today to reflect about how your year went and what you want out of your next year. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing today. I'm not I'm not that exciting. Maybe I'll go play some video games. But anyways, if you guys want to support the show, please become a patron. Uh, for $1 a month, you can get episodes like this before they come out. I am diligently working to have a better time management system so I can not sit on episodes as long as I have. So I appreciate everybody's patience and continued support um, with the podcast. Please feel free to share this episode with all your friends and let them know why my podcast is great i gave you guys a tagline now this episode's about drew sample and how he finds freedom in an unfree world and they could say well, what what does that mean to me and you say well he has a lot of guests he's an urban farmer um he talks a lot about controversial ideas these days according to michael jordan and um so anyways um another way that is so just go to sample hour. Um, Also, check out naturesimagefarm.com. So you guys are going to be wanting to buy your nursery stock for um, the spring. And if you use code word sample, you will actually get uh, 10% off and free shipping, I believe. I think it's 10%. I don't know, guys. But check out naturesimagefarm.com regardless. Follow Greg Burns on Instagram, as I said before. Outside of that, guys, Happy New Year. Looking forward to bringing you guys a lot more episodes soon.